1: Welcome to Single Fathers Today. I'm your host, Mark Hill. This podcast is geared towards single dads who are going through the process of divorce, uh, going through a custody with their, in relation to their kids, have custody of their kids, and they're trying to figure out what do I do? What are the steps going forward, uh, to help raise my kids and to be a better father? If you have any questions or comments related to the show, please send me an email at singlefathers today at gmail.com or check out the Twitter feed at singlefathers today. Uh, today, I would like—I have a special guest here with me. I think the people who've been listening for a while, um, you've heard me mention him on more than one occasion. Um, he is here with me. We're going to go through um, his uh, history, profession, and um, helping out dads that are going through the process of divorce. So, um, without further ado, I would like to welcome to my show Thomas Tomko. Uh, local attorney in the state of Michigan. Welcome to the show, sir.
0: And thank you, Mark. Uh, pleasure to be here and honored to be here. I appreciate the invite and happy to do a little discussion about some important topics. That's
1: great. Now, what I want to do uh, to get everyone started, um, they've heard me talk about you. They've heard me talk about my case. Um, but let's start at the beginning. Um, how long have you been an attorney? Um, what areas are you covering? Um and i guess um yeah pretty much uh you know where you know how did you start and what drives your passion for the
0: profession that you're in well just about me now i've been an attorney for this year will be 32 years uh went to university of detroit school of law and graduated from there I had different experiences until finally i opened an office on my own and when you often open an office on your own sometimes uh you, know, you look at the door and whatever comes in the door, that's a potential client. So it could be any kind of case. Mm-hmm. Uh, you take anything from a traffic ticket to a slip and fall to a, a divorce or auto accident, anything like that. Right. Uh, Over time though, of course, uh, moved into different areas which you can call specialties just because you get more experience in it. And that includes uh, domestic, uh, also includes traffic, criminal, mm-hmm. uh, currently uh, more focused on the criminal uh, mm-hmm. in my practice. Uh, but I've been primarily in Macomb County, but practiced in Wayne and Oakland and Macomb and up to Lapeer and Sanilac, all different counties, but primarily Macomb County. Okay. Now, as far as
1: the legal profession goes, or, or uh, we're going to kind of narrow it down more towards the divorce cases um, with – is it pretty much because a lot of the listeners may not be in state, they may not be within the areas that you coverage or that you cover? Is pretty much the legal, um, the basics is the same from state to state across the country, or um, is there something that may be very unique in one state that may not uh, that has nothing to do with what we're doing here in Michigan?
0: State to state, it's difficult to compare because uh, not having practiced in other states, mm-hmm. I can speak to Michigan, but in general, when it comes to a divorce case, there's three parts to the divorce. The first part is getting a divorce, the piece of paper that says, hey, you're, you're officially divorced, similar to the piece of paper that says you're married. The second part of the divorce has to do with property. You have to divide whatever is considered marital property. Mm-hmm. Now, the third part, of course, has to do with children, custody, support, and visitation. So when you talk about other states, that first part, Michigan, is what they call a no-fault state. Mm -hmm. Other states, maybe not so much. Maybe there's got to be fault attributed to one side or the other. Uh, There's community property states. That's really more in the second area. So so states can be different Mm -hmm. uh, and there can be different rules. And what you've got to do is you've got to talk to somebody that knows your specific location and what the issues are, the specific issues. The general areas, Mm -hmm. getting a divorce, Dividing property and what to do with children, those are in every case. Back to Michigan though, the first part, getting a divorce, no-fault divorce. No-fault has nothing to do with an auto accident but it's got, <laughs> it's got everything to do with uh, – uh, well, do you have to blame one person or the other or this right. one did this or this one did that or they cheated or they stole or they lied? No, not at all. If one party says, hey, look, I want a divorce – the objects of matrimony can no longer be fulfilled. At some point, you're getting that piece of paper from the judge that will say you're divorced.
1: So it's not going to be the, uh, you know, in some states, uh, the first thing that pops to my mind is California, where they play tit for tat. It's like, okay, I saw him doing this. I have this information on him. I should be able to get three quarters of what he has, and he only gets a quarter. I get the kids. He never gets to see him, but he needs to pay me child support and alimony. In Michigan, it's pretty much... All right, marriage is no longer salvageable. We're gonna look at everything, we're gonna split it down the middle, and that's gonna be it. There's no one person that is to to blame.
0: Well, yes and no, because the the getting of a divorce, the mm-hmm. actual grounds for divorce, you know, you might hear on TV somebody talks, oh, that's grounds for divorce. That's not battered back and forth in Michigan. That's not a mm-hmm. part of the argument. It may come into play when it comes to how property is divided and, right. and what happens with the children. But as far as that first part, Michigan's no fault. No one cares about what the reason is. If one party just wakes up in the morning and says, I want a divorce, objects of matrimony can't be fulfilled, I'm out of here, they're going to get a divorce. Okay. So. Now, when you get to these other issues, oh, well, this one did this, this one cheated, this one did that, they stole this one. You know. mm-hmm. Those things may be very important when it comes to dividing property. And uh, what happens with the children? Okay. Now,
1: uh, I, as as I'm, I'm thinking of a couple of things as you're you're um, talking to me, and I want to touch a little bit on my case. I know it's been a decade. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully, uh, and like I said, some of the people, uh, one of the emails I had uh, received, a gentleman was asking me, well. What was the particulars of your case? And I kind of gave them some information, but not all of it. Um, But if you can remember back that far, when I came to you and said, this is what I need to do, um, or anyone in in that particular manner, when they come in and say, I need to hire you as an attorney for my divorce, what are some of the first things that you're going to tell them right out the box what to do and what not to do? um in one example i remember you mentioned to me whatever you do don't take the money all don't take all the money out of the bank so what are some of the initial steps if i'm an individual who says i need a divorce
0: well the first thing to think about is well from the point of view of the court what is it they're going to do with this new case that's been opened up a new divorce is filed what what's the court going to look at and what are they going to think mm-hmm. well the court in a family law case, is a court of equity. Mm-hmm. Equity comes from a word that sounds like equal. So it's like, okay, everybody's they're trying to do what's fair, mm-hmm. something that's fair. So the first thing is you don't want to portray yourself as the unfair party. Okay. So when it comes to let's say you got $1,000 in the bank – and if you go in and you're going to get a divorce and you say, doggone it, that, that son of a gun, I, I don't want them to take all that money. I'll take it first. Mm-hmm. Well, now wait a minute. That's not fair. Because right. if it's both your money, it's in a joint account, you take the money out, you're perceived as the one who's being unfair. Because the first thing the other side's going to do, they're going to run into court and say, hey, he, he stole all the money. Right. And if that happens, now the court's saying, oh, I got one of these. He does, he's not going to be fair. Mm-hmm. So the first thing you want to do is portray yourself as somebody that's being fair. Mm-hmm. During the course of the whole divorce, really in the course of any law law case of any kind, um, you know when you're when you're proposing something, it's something that's boldly asserted and plausibly maintained. So when you say, "Hey, look, I want a divorce, and this is why," okay, you said this is what you want, and now you gave a good reason for it. If you've got money in the bank, hey, I think it should be divided 50-50, and this is why. And mm-hmm. so you explain that to the court. I think when it comes to cut you know, the children, I want something that's fair, and here's why. So each thing you do should be a good reason behind it that makes it look like you're the person that's fair. Mm-hmm. So in this divorce, when it starts out, you want to be perceived as the person that's the most fair of all.
1: So you want the so when you go in and in Michigan, um, we have our referees that act, basically handles the majority of the interaction, and then when it's finalized, then it goes over to the judge who says, "Okay, I see everything in place. It's either um, yes, I can agree to it, or it needs to go to a um, I think it was a trial. If it, it gets to that point, which is something that the courts try to avoid, but in some cases, it." can't be helped. Um, When when you're in there in that first meeting between her counsel and your counsel, usually it's just the referee and the two attorneys that are talking, correct?
0: Yeah. And what I'll explain just to get us there is that when you file a divorce, the first thing that happens is the paperwork gets taken. Somebody fills it out and says, hey, look, I'd like a divorce and this is what I want to happen. Uh, Please give me a divorce. Mm -hmm. And they sign it and it gets filed with the court. Of course, the court processes it. They give it a case number and then eventually it will be scheduled for a pretrial because you know, first of all, the court has got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Mm -hmm. cases. They're divided up between the judges but each judge has got hundreds and hundreds of cases. Mm -hmm. So they got this paperwork. They set it for a pretrial and they're like, all right, at the pretrial, what do I got here? Right Now, they won't say it this way, but really there's those three parts. There's getting a divorce, okay, the, the court knows eventually they're going to sign a paper on this one side and, or both say that objects of matrimony can't be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. The second part has to do with property and the third part has to do with kids. So at the pretrial, the court is trying to narrow down, is this a case about property or the kids or both? Right. And so then what they'll do at the pretrial is they'll say, okay, Judge can't do every one of these hundreds and hundreds of cases. If they had that, they would start with trials in the morning and trials at night. They'd they'd be in trial every minute of the day. So they can't. So what they do is they hire a staff of people. These are the the referees with the uh, family law division of the court Mm -hmm. where uh, they'll assign cases to these folks to help them out. And how do they help them out? Well – if the issue has to do with property, say, they'll say, okay, I'm going to assign you for an evidentiary hearing as the property, Mm -hmm. or I'm going to assign you to, hmm, we've got to figure out what happens with custody, or what's going to happen with child support. They'll send it to one of these referees. to can sit down, and then the parties will be scheduled to go in Mm -hmm. and try and narrow these things down. And if they need to have a hearing, then they'll have a hearing. Now, the hearing, uh, when it comes to children, for example, uh, the first thing is, okay, custody. Who gets custody? Who's got got this primary custody? There's this idea of joint custody and then there's legal custody and physical custody. It could be joint legal, could be joint physical, could be physical with one and Mm -hmm. not with the other, just visitation. I mean, all kinds of things. When folks come into that and they go to that hearing, they may already have an idea of what they each want. And if what they each want is okay with each other, they both agree, okay, mm-hmm. then that's that part's done. Still there might be child support that has to be figured out. Right. So so this referee, when they look at it, they're trying to figure out, okay, do I have to have a hearing on custody or do these people agree? Do I have to have a hearing as to what child support is, or do I just plug in the numbers and come out with that number of child support? Mm-hmm. So and that'd be based on the overnights that each party has.
1: Now, when you mean by the overnights, I'm um, sorry, the overnights is where um, like every other weekend, two weeks in the during the summertime and maybe one day during the week is. Well, let's
0: separate the two concepts. One is the custody part. The other is the child support part. Okay. The child support part is a little easier. We'll talk about that and that will help explain the first one. Uh, child support is going to be based upon the relative incomes of the parties. So if you know what the incomes of the parties are and if you know how many overnights they have with the kids, then you can put it in the formula and you can figure out what's going on. The An overnight is, uh, you know, 365 days in a year. So it's like, okay, if somebody truly had joint physical custody, then one would have half, 182 and a half, mm-hmm. and 182 and a half, then you got yeah. 365. Yeah. So that that would be... The number that would be used to say, okay, how much time – here's all this income that the parties both have. What's a fair amount for raising the children? How much time is attributable to one where they're paying for the care and maintenance of the children? How much time is attributable to the other? And what's that mean with the relative incomes and should one party be paying to the other party? Because just because you have equal exact time, Mm -hmm. if one makes – $100,000 Hundred thousand a year, and the other makes thirty thousand a year. It's like, oh, wait a minute, you might have equal overnights, but the one with a hundred thousand, they're they're going to be paying child support
1: because. The, so basically, in both homes, because each person's going to have their own home, they want to make it so when the child goes from one place to another, the same environment is similar or it's kind of the same, so it's not a big drastic change from, say, living in a mansion to living in a less than ideal
0: surrounding for them or? Not so much that, but it—it it, think of it as a, a, the income of both parties. You put it together and that's the pie. Okay. okay. So let's say that 30% of that pie should be used for care and maintenance of the children. Now I'm making up that number, but. Right. Uh, so it's like, okay, so 30%. So 30% of one person's salary and 30% of another person's salary might be different. Mm-hmm. So that's why you would, have, you would have this evening out of the child support because they're looking at the party's total income mm-hmm. and what's available for support of the children. And then there's other things. You know, there's medical care and dental care and there's costs of insurances and things, things that will be used to even it out. Who takes the, the uh, deduction for taxes for the children uh, when that's available? So all those things are taken into account in that formula for Mm -hmm. determining child support. But the biggest mm, factor in all that are overnights and what the relative incomes are. Okay. Now,
1: digging a little deeper, say that um, you have an individual that comes in and in a hypothetical – and you can kind of get that vibe from them when they come in. If this guy is someone that is, he loves his kids. He wants to be with his kids. He wants to be an active person or he's always been an active person in his life. And now he's going from the situation of seeing his kids 24 seven doing activities. And now with the, chart, with the parenting chart, now it's just been sliced and dramatically. And he is just distraught or, Is there a way that you can negotiate with the court to say, you know what, one day a week, every other weekend, two weeks in the summer, that's not adequate because, um, one of the things I've seen in, in society, and this is my personal opinion, if you don't, if you have a father that's willing to do everything for their kids and no, now he's no longer in that picture, that affects him. And I also think it affects the kids. So is there any way that you can go in and when you're talking to the referee and say, hey, look, you know, we need to do something a little bit different, maybe two weeks with this parent, two weeks with that parent, or is it just, no, we're not going to do it, here's our formula? You know, is there some give and take
0: that can be negotiated between the attorneys and, and the system? Well, let's start with um, over the course of years, you know, over and over and over, um, a pattern developed where uh, one party would have the physical custody, the other one would have a visitation. Mm -hmm. And so that pattern, what they did is they finally memorialized it into a standard order of parenting time. So the standard order of parenting time, I'm speaking of Macomb County, other counties I'm sure have their own too, but Macomb County, they've got a form, they'll hand it to you and it'll say in there, okay, every other weekend alternate – you know, once – one day during the week, not an overnight, uh, alternate holidays, and two, three weeks in the summer. So that's what you're talking about as far as that standard schedule Mm -hmm. that if there was no agreement, the tendency of the court is to impose that on one of the parties. One party getting the primary physical, the other party getting that parenting schedule, that standard Mm -hmm. parenting schedule. Well, the easiest case is when the parties agree to modify that schedule – so if the parties want to agree to something, they always can. It's their divorce. right? See, And, and the attorneys shouldn't stand in the way. They, they really should say, hey, look, if this is what you guys want, if you guys – if somebody wants you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and the other wants you know, Friday through Sunday, mm-hmm. great, do it. And no matter – as the attorney, you can tell them why it might be practical or impractical or what have you but not your job to talk them into or out of it. Your job is to say, hey, look, if that works for you, I'm here to put pen to paper and make it work out. Problem is, like you're, like you're suggesting, is, you know, hey, what if you don't agree? You're the one, you know, you've been there twenty four seven, and now she kicked you out, and you know, you're, you're the dad, and you're like, hey, what do you mean? Am I chopped liver? I want to be part of these kids' right. lives. I want to be, I want to be there for them. You know, every other weekend, that's not good for me. Well, that's where the, that's where the battle begins, and the court can order different things, and, and. At least in Macomb, many times they do, uh, because when the children are very young. So if, right. if you had one child, and let's say it was a eighteen you know, month old, mm-hmm. well, they're more likely to say, "Wait a minute, this is every other weekend thing—that's nonsense. This doesn't work for eighteen month old." Right. So they'll split it more fifty-fifty. When you get to school age, now you got a different problem because it's a little impractical because
1: of the educate, you know, the school days and activities for the. Oh yeah,
0: there's activities at school. There's home. Who's doing the homework at night? How do you know when the note comes home? Does the one get it when custody changed in the middle of the week? Whole world of problems. Plus, there's the distance difference between when there's two separate households. You got a problem sometimes because it's not practical to try and get them back and forth to the same school and you know with their friends and everything else. So that that's difficult. So those are the practical problems, and so. You know, the tendency of the court is to say, well, wait a minute. During the school year, unless you guys agree on something, we got to do something that makes sense for the kids, too, because they're the ones that suffer the fallout of it all. Right, bouncing between house to house. If they're in the same neighborhood,
1: that's one thing. But if one's in one town, one side of town, and the other one's on the other side of
0: town. Absolutely, because there's, you know, tons of travel time when that happens. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just the... The consistency for the kids so they they know that, okay, on okay Friday they go, they go with a different parent. They're back on Monday. Okay. That means over the weekend they got to do certain things and it might be homework or activities. Still got to get them to them. But yeah. the kid needs to know the schedule. The more consistent it is, the better. Well, back to the question. What happens when you got a, a battle and it's like, wait yeah. a minute. Uh, this every other weekend isn't working for me. We want to do something different. If you can't agree – then you're fighting for you're fighting for custody. You're you're fighting to have that schedule be on the other side of the fence. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll modify it, but most of the time, somebody's going to get stuck with that schedule.
1: And usually, from your experience, has it been more of the father having to have that reduced schedule over the mother? Um, is it the other way? Because again, a lot of the listeners. Uh, so the letters I received, a lot of them kept saying, are saying the same thing. It's like, I, I want more time with my kid, but I go into to talk to the referee or talk to the judge, and they just blindly give it to her, thinking that, oh, yeah, she's the better nurturer of the, tr- of the two, when he knows fully she's not. So is that pretty much the standard from what you've seen in your years of um, handling these cases?
0: Well, we talk about... Blind justice and how everybody's equal in the eyes of the law. Well, in custody cases, that's not so in my experience. In my experience, it's a carryover from a long time ago that favors the woman. Mm-hmm. There's just no question that it favors the woman. Even though on the surface it tries to portray itself as not being biased in favor of the woman when it comes to awarding custody, it is. It just mm-hmm. simply is. I mean, you know, it's a different feeling when you say you hear somebody. I'm a single mother. You have a different feeling when you hear somebody say, "I'm a fin- single father." Yes, <laughs> it's just different, and and society looks at it differently.
1: Yes, because usually what they say, and uh, and I remember after my case, a lot of people when I said, "Yeah, I'm the single, you know, I have custody of my daughters, and they're they're kind of like, "Whoa!" And then it's like, "Okay, what I, happened to her?" There's a reason why that. It's changed. It had, it's something dramatic had to be in effect for you or the dad to have custody of the children. And I think a lot of people say that that's something that is definitely an injustice at this point. Now, say you have a father that is, he's seeing this and he's, um, you can tell he's very, let's say passionate. Uh, about this. What are some of the advices that you would tell him so he doesn't go into court causing a scene in, in in his mind, he's being passionate because he loves his kids. But in the court's eyes, they're seeing someone who's being hysterical or rational. You have the spouse or soon to be former spouse. She's playing the, Upset game. Oh, I'm oh, I'm so distraught, and you know you comp- you know she's playing the game against this guy. So, how do you handle that? What do you tell your client as far as going forward to say, look, I, I got this, but you have to follow some of these steps. What was some? What are some of the rules that you or some of the things you would tell that client?
0: Well, before you tell anybody anything, the first thing you got to figure out is what is the goal of the client mm-hmm. and that's what I that's the first thing I ask them what do you want sometimes it's it, when when talking to a you know the dad you might get a flavor that really yeah they're worried about custody but they're more worried about what they got to pay mm-hmm. it's like well that's a different person from somebody that you described that wait a minute he's a He's a dad wants to be, you know, involved in the kids' life. He wants to be the the Little League coach. He wants to, you know, see his kids all the time. That those are two completely different people. So that you,
1: was that was me people. That was
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to you got to figure out what you got first of all. Mm-hmm. Second of all, you know, when you, you know, uh, you get up in the morning, you go to court. First thing I do, I put on a shirt, put on a tie, put on a jacket. So I put on my armor. I put on. I get ready for battle. Um, so it's the same thing when your clients coming to court. Don't be coming there in blue jeans and tennis shoes and you know the coming in sagging pants hanging down. You know in the back and it's like oh come on.
1: You know it's like, so the appearance definitely uh, the referees and the judge based on your appearance that does weigh into. What they perceive and how they're going to go forward with the case. If you come in, dress, you know, dress for the job that you want, not the job that you
0: have. Dress for success. If you want respect, you show respect. So if you come in and you come into the courtroom, you're dressed respectfully, okay, then they can give you respect. Mm -hmm. Same thing is with your demeanor and your behavior. Mm -hmm. You want to act with respect, you can get respect. You start blurting things out and you know shouting and screaming and shaking your head and saying something under your breath about the other one. That's the last thing you want to do because they're – remember, it's a court of equity. They want mm-hmm. to be fair. They're looking at the two people and one of them's acting out and making a comment about every single thing that's said. The judge is thinking to themselves, well, that's the jerk in this relationship. So they're, they're taking – they're
1: doing their own observation or their own um, assessment of you. While you're sitting there, even if you're not saying – even though the attorneys are talking, they're still scanning both parties and they can see from their body language which side is doing what.
0: Absolutely. That's true of anything. That's Mm -hmm. true in a job interview. That's true of somebody you meet for the first time. That's true of when you're dealing with somebody at work. You look at the person, you get an impression. And there's no denying that. So the first thing is make a good impression so that – you know, you want respect. You want somebody to say, oh, that was that polite person that was always in court compared to that other one who right. wasn't so polite at all. Right. It's like, OK, be the be the one that they look at positively, not the one they look at negatively. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. Next, there's a whole list of factors that they go down. They, they don't give them numbers. They give them letters, A, B, C, D, E, all the way up to N. And each of those factors, those are different things that they're going to look at to try and determine and weigh factor number A for letter A. Okay, mom or dad, which one does a favor? Or are they equal? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's go to B. Favor mom, favor dad, or are they equal? They're going to go through all of those. And so when you have a hearing in front of a referee at some point, if you're contesting custody, they're going to weigh each of those things in favor of one, in favor of the other, or equal. If more of them are in favor of one side, guess what? Their recommendation for custody to the judge is, hey, this person, they weigh more heavily in favor of them. They should get custody. Mm -hmm. So the advice to the client is, wait a minute, from day one, let's think about these factors and what you should or shouldn't do. Right. So one example is people say, well, I can't take it anymore. i got to move out. Okay, you can move out. But establishing an environmental custody for the children, that's one of the factors. Right. Who's got that custodial environment? And so if you leave the house, the custodial environment's left behind, guess who's going to get favored on that factor? Now, speaking on that, and and I, I'm going to bring my
1: case up a little bit. When I had moved out, I had moved out um, a couple of years prior for filing for divorce, and the reason for me moving out was the stress that was going on and the the environment was where, for me, I ceased to be be myself. And I had went out and got my own place, but it wasn't because I was abandoning my kids. It was that I had to— try to diffuse the situation a little bit. I still was able to see my kids. I still had the time where I could pick them up, bring them over. So we we kind of had our own um, parental time worked out. But I just knew that being in the same household was going to be a negative it was going to lead to bad things. So does that is that taken into account if he said if you say, well yes my client moved out, she has the home, but he's still You know, maybe one week the kids are with him, one week the kids with her. Do they look at that as well?
0: Well, you have to look at that in total. Okay. Because if the divorce starts and there's three kids involved, one of the parents moves out and they got a one-bedroom apartment. And Mm -hmm. sometimes the kids come over there. Court's going to look at that as, well, wait a minute. Why would I put custody in front of someone who's got a one-bedroom apartment?
1: Which was my case, because your first advice was get a two-bedroom apartment. You have to.
0: Yeah, because, you know, it's impossible to give the person custody because there's no, how do you take care of the kid? Where do they sleep? Mm -hmm. You know, I'll sleep on the couch. They can be in the bedroom. Nonsense. You know, they're going to look at that and say, that's not practical long-term. That's just not going to work. So that custodial environment, comparing a home with, Three bedrooms and a master bedroom for three kids and a you know parent that's the only one there versus an apartment, one-bedroom apartment. Well, of course, that's going to weigh in favor of the party that's got the house. So if you did move out, though, if you did establish a second custodial environment where, okay, the kids are in one place, the kids are in another place. Sometimes they're overnight, one or the other. The parties have been working something out. That's different. Now you get closer to even. Okay. Um, But if it's all done after the divorce is filed, no, it's going to favor the one that has the former marital home. So whatever the
1: situation was prior to the divorce being finalized, it's kind of like the clock stops at this point and says, okay, where are you living at this time? Where are they living? So when it starts and you say, okay, um, I filed for divorce, but now I'm moving into a two-bedroom, they're like, yeah, you're
0: kind of – Past that point, you have
1: to do that, establish that before
0: you file. An established custodial environment—that's gonna—it's gonna be looked at it at that point in time. Now, if something developed where the person bought the house next door and has a you know same house, same number of bedrooms, and the houses mm-hmm. are right next to each other, I guess you could say it's more equal, right? Okay, but that's just one of this multitude of factors that they're going to look at. And again, if you if you did it after the divorce. Not so much as if you were doing it before you filed for divorce, but mm-hmm. it still could be evened out somewhat. But of those two, it's going to favor the formal marital home if that's an appropriate home. Okay. Now, let's
1: look at some of the um, things that are done. and And understand I'm not going on a He-Man woman-hating tour here, but – you know as well as I do, it, it favors a lot of the system favors towards the women. And there are some women out there that will do some unscrupulous things to say that these are my kids. I get the child support. I get the alimony. I'm going to use this money how I see fit, even though it doesn't go towards the kids. Um, in my case, the kids, she had taken the kids out of state and she had a friend write up a statement against me that went towards a PPO out of state. Um, I had to go to another state to deal with that situation. So what is your advice for those types of situations? And before you answer, I want to let the people know that did that actually happened. Um, Thank God I had him. He happened to find an attorney in a totally different state that happened to be the best attorney in that town. I know, I got the bill. So, <laughs> but, so how do you handle that? And then when when you have the opposing client or the the other person and they're writing, making documents, statements against you. And for me, I was a little frustrated, I was mad, but you kind of told me just calm down. We know what the situation is you know, false accusations made against things that I was supposedly doing, which I wasn't doing. So when those type of things come up and your client comes in and says, she's doing this, you know, she took the kids to another state. I want to go get my kids and I'm going to go fight for my kids. How do you, how do you navigate those? Those are unusual circumstances, but how do you navigate those waters?
0: Well, in thinking about the, uh, you know, back to your specific situation and really any situation, the, the again, this court is a court of equity, mm-hmm. and they want to do something that's fair. So the question is, is it fair for one party to take the kids and run off to another state? I can't think of any court that's going to say that's fair. And you got to have
1: proof if, you know, it was claiming that it was physical and emotional abuse. But I remember the judge out there said, where's your documentation? Where's your reports from local law from the local law enforcement? There was none. There was nothing in the system.
0: Absolutely. But in in, in addition to that, the thing that that was the strongest thing was establishing jurisdiction here. Mm -hmm. So 180 days in Michigan, 10 days in the county that you're residing there. You file the complaint for divorce. Now jurisdictions in Michigan. So they are not going to let the kids just be hauled out of Michigan. So they
1: can't say, I'm leaving. The kids have been here the whole time, and then they leave to go somewhere else. Some mechanism has to be put in place in the other state so they can be there for six months, whatever their time limit is to say, if you're here for six months, then you're automatically a resident. They just can't say, well, I'm going to this other state. I'm filing for divorce in this other state. That's it in the story. The The state they're filing in is going to say, no, you can't do that. You're not here long enough. The, even though the kids are, you know, it's joint custody, the kids are not a resident of the state. The home state still has jurisdiction.
0: Mm-hmm. And let's separate a couple of concepts there. The first of all, that's Michigan's rule. 680 days in Michigan, 10 days in the county, then you can file in that county. Okay, Is it similar in other states? I presume so. Do I know? Could the numbers be a little bit different? It it, it
1: varies. That's why you need to get an attorney within that's familiar within that. Absolutely.
0: So and once you file in Michigan, one of the things that you typically file when you file a claim for divorce is you have the complaint. You also ask for an order from the court to maintain the status quo Mm -hmm. and an order of temporary custody. Maintaining the status quo means that, okay, now that a divorce is filed, once everybody knows, do the same thing you always did. Pay the bills the way they got Mm -hmm. paid. Deposit the check the way it got deposited. Pay for the insurance. Pay for the car payment and the house payment. All those things that ordinarily happen. Mm -hmm. Buy the groceries the same way. That's the status quo. And with the kids, keep the status quo with them too, meaning – They stay at the house. They don't get wrestled to another jurisdiction. They don't you know, – we're not dividing and having a a conclusion about custody. Now, just keep everything the same right now. So a status quo order with everything. If you got those things in place, then somebody trying to wrestle them off to another state or something, that's nonsense because this court's already got jurisdiction and there's already orders in place. That ain't gonna happen. So
1: the so the state that they go to, if you go in and say, well, they go in and say, oh, I, I had to flee because I I was fearful of my my life or myself and my kids, and then you walk in and say, no, 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 here's the information that's been filed with. With this particular state, in this case, state of Michigan, here's what's been filed. Here's the attorney. Here's the referees. And they're going to look at all that stuff, and they're going to look at the other person and says, man, we can't help you. You can't, you can't run from the state that has all this information and come over here, try and start a clean slate where you can form the narrative yourself, when in this state, all the information is right there. They will – usually they'll say, no, we can't approve this. You need to go back to that state and deal with it in that state.
0: Similar to what you're saying, but initially when you go to the other state, what's that person doing? They're not telling them anything about what happened in Michigan. Right. They're, 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 just, they're, they're just they're filing
1: forming, papers. Right. They're form, they're trying to form
0: the narrative that, that's right. more beneficial to them. So then when just like you did, when you get an attorney – and that attorney says, wait a minute. Here's a copy of what was filed in Michigan. Here's a copy of the order. Here's a copy of another order. Dismiss this case. Right. And that other jurisdiction is going to say, you know what? We don't have jurisdiction. That Michigan has superior jurisdiction. And uh, that's true and through a – uh, the legal principle called comity between states, you know, they respect each other's mm-hmm. laws. Uh They're going to say, uh-uh, this case is dismissed because there's a Michigan case that was started first. They got jurisdiction. We don't have it. Now, is the communication
1: between those two? Is it between the courts within the two states? Or is it between, like in my case, I had my attorney here. I had you as my attorney here. I had attorneys in the other state. Is the communication between the two attorneys? In
0: in general, the courts aren't talking to each other at all. So it's It's, it's mainly the attorneys that are doing the talking and doing the filing. Correct. Your attorney in that other state is contacting your attorney here in Michigan and saying, hey, what's going on? The attorney of Michigan says, look, here's a copy of all the papers with the stamps and the seals and everything else on it. Then when they take the other attorney that's in the foreign jurisdiction, they're going to say, look, I got these from the attorney of Michigan. Guess what? Other state, you don't have jurisdiction because Michigan does. Right. So, so that's the way it would work.
1: Yeah, that was um, – I remember the attorneys out there. They were like, wait a minute. This isn't – they read the – the judge had read the complaint. And then the attorney said, no, this is what I have. And then they're looking over at her and they're like, what's going on? And at that point, that's when the attorney was like, yeah, something's something's fishy. Something's not right here. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are, if you can, without giving too much detailed information, what are some of the cases that you've gone through that have gone well? Some of them that's gone to the extreme um, you may have a male client that is just, let's just say, overly passionate that you had to kind of calm down, or an turn- or um, a client that, um, you know, is saying, "I'm going to do things my way." You know, that overly bearing that the court system is going to bend to me. What, what are some of the things that actually stand out in your years of practicing in that particular
0: area? Well, the rule of thumb is. The attorney advises, the client decides. Mm-hmm. So so my job is to advise them and say, hey, look, this is what should happen. Well, I'm going to do it my way. You can do it your way, but let me tell you, this is what the court's going to look at. This is what I'd recommend. And if they choose to follow my advice, that's fine. If they choose to go their own way, that's fine. But mm-hmm. my job is just to advise them and let them know that when you make a choice, however you want to do it, it's your divorce. You can do what you want. Um and if you choose to do what you want don't follow something that I think might be a sound way to go uh okay you're on your own <laughs>
1: so you will uh, give them you'll give them the advice and they'll be like I I don't I don't want that at all
0: that's right and that's fine I'll stand up and I'll I'll advocate their position mm-hmm. and I'm not going to torpedo it but you know I'm going to tell them in the beginning hey look if it comes out different than what you think don't say I didn't tell you
1: mm-hmm.
0: so um Specific examples of things, I guess I um without giving I'm too scratching, much I'm scratching my head, it's like, okay, <laughs> there's so many different things, each one is individual. it's like I'm nothing's jumping out so there's nothing that, it's nothing that's
1: a cookie cutter it's it's never the same, it's always something that's different,
0: yeah, all the cases are exactly the same, and all the cases are in every way different mm-hmm. because the one that's similar is the first part getting a divorce,
1: mm-hmm. one
0: party or both is saying this ain't working out, objects of matrimony can't be fulfilled. How to divide property and how to divide children and what's going to happen with children mm-hmm. it, the arguments in court are based on the individual facts in those cases and what those individuals want to do right so it's it's it just varies from case to case and uh yeah. There's a different story for every case that comes up. <laughs> okay,
1: And and I know that we are – the time is starting to get a little bit short here. I mean we could probably – and I'm sure we are just scratching the surface on what could go in or uh, going forward. So um, for some of these fathers, what is the best advice you can give them? And then we're going to go a little bit more into if someone's within within the area that you cover, how can they – you know, contact information I can get a hold of you. So what is some of the advice that you would initial advice you would give them, the best advice you can give
0: them? There's a book, this little book, I used to hand it out to people sometimes. It was called Covering Home. Mm-hmm. And it was written uh, with a baseball analogy like covering home plate, but it was mm-hmm. covering home. And so I think that's a theme that if people think about it, if they cover what's happening at home and what's at home, that's where your kids are. Mm-hmm. So if you are in a divorce and you're thinking of it from the perspective of the kids and trying to make it the best for the kids, then you know what? All those factors that we talked about as far as fighting for custody, Mm -hmm. you're probably satisfying most of them if you're doing it what's best for the kids. Right. So, you know, cover home. Take care of what's important at home. Yes, there's an argument. Yes, you disagree. Yes, you could argue all day long with your spouse or soon-to-be ex-spouse, however you want to look at it. Uh, That's great but don't do it in front of the kids don't mm-hmm. go don't go crazy and do the extreme things no right. figure out okay how do i how how am i serving my household best meaning my kids and the mm-hmm. peace and tranquility in that house and the consistency they need and parenting for them how am i taking care of those things at home the best i can if you do that guess what you're helping your case all along the way you're being the reasonable one the court's looking at you as reasonable you're satisfying those factors. So if it did come to a battle about custody with the kids going one place or the other, guess what? You're doing the best you can. Right. Now, Should they be able to document? It, it, as you were talking, it just popped in my head. In
1: my case, I was documenting things. So anything that happened, she picked the kids up at this time. She didn't show up at this time. We There was an argument that started at this time. I gave X amount of money to the for her to buy stuff for the kids. The kids came back and said they didn't receive anything. Should they have? Should they keep some sort of journal of all the interactions? So when they go to court, and if they try to have something to say, well, he didn't do this, he didn't do that. You can say, no, no, no. On this day, I did this. This day, I did
0: that. I think something like that. That's that's great. That's a couple of couple reasons. One, it's therapy just to write it all down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another one is okay, the, you know, if you know, five o'clock on Friday was really five thirty because somebody didn't show up on time. Is that really going to make a difference? Probably not that Friday and that time. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, 45 different times there were over yeah, a half a hour late, late. A consistent pattern. That's different. So right. now you've got something that's documented. You've got something the attorney can look at. And maybe not the specific detail, but just it paints a picture of who the other person is and why they're not covering home. Right. So if you cover your home, you're doing the best you can.
1: Okay. So as we're coming to wrapping up this show, with my engineer here, my trusty engineer here, Ryan. So, I mean, I'm sure you probably think that this is just – it's basically scratching the surface. There is so much more that can go into the detail. And as I was talking with him, he was like, I, you know, I didn't know this stuff. Um, I'm putting you on commentary now. What have you learned from this? <laughs> I've learned too much. I think so, this is a you know very complicated subject, but it's good to you know it's good to hear, I guess, uh, from an actual like professional, you know, like how these things are going on and you know court and stuff. So a mm-hmm. lot to process. I'll just say that. Yeah, it's it's a long process. Um, the normal process, I think, in in my case, it was we started in January, it was finalized in October. Um, and I, and probably I think you said some cases can go even longer based on the information that's there and the haggling that's, or I wouldn't say haggling, but the discussions going back and forth. So, um, if anyone wanted to get a hold of you, what is your contact information? How can they, how can they reach out to you and, and discuss, um, this type of subject or, or any other topic that they may have?
0: Sure. The, uh, email is, T.J. Tomko Law at AOL.com. That's T-J-T-O-M-K-O-L-A-W at AOL.com. That's a great way. If it's uh, an appointment, 586-795-8822, uh, you could always call and make an appointment. Um, one of the things I would offer, and I, and I know, Mark, we talked about it and there might be a way to do this, is – one of the things when somebody's coming up for one of those custody hearings, those factors, those A through N, mm. those things, those are printed in the statute and that's something that could be provided. And if you could give your read your listeners access to that, that'd be great. Yes. Same with the uh, standard custody and parenting time order out of Macomb County, we can get you a copy of that as yeah, well. Yeah, if you can
1: give me a copy of that I can uh, I can put it on the Twitter page so they can go in and access it. Um, that way, um, do you have you have you given the email and the phone number? Is there a website that they can go ahead and and do you have anything listed on the website where they can see some information or no?
0: That stuff we, we used to have a uh, posted on the internet. Again, you know, my current practice am I currently uh, bread and butter out of divorce cases? Abs- no, absolutely not. Right mm. now, I'm doing you know criminal cases. We're doing capital criminal cases and having lots of trials and okay. doing different things. So things that used to be on the website like those factors and mm. things like that. That stuff, no, it's not up there anymore. Um, you know, for me, it's like, you know, can I answer general questions? Absolutely.
1: Maybe refer them to, since you're not mainly doing that, um, you can refer them to somebody else that could do it or... Um,
0: Absolutely. Okay. I, you know, 32 years of practice, it's like, and you know, I've done lots of divorces, lots of different kind of cases. I know lots of attorneys. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there's lots of people that, okay, I know who's the people, you know, who might be good. You know, one of the things is... Uh, you know, for example, custody is the custody battle is going to be in Macomb County. Okay. Macomb County attorney. Uh, okay. Gee, is it good for a man to have a woman be representing him because of a custody battle? Yes. In in some cases, yes. See, so sometimes a referral to someone like that, that makes sense. Sometimes you look at the other person's attorney and you're like, wow. Mm. mm. Okay. I know what attorney would be good for this attorney. Right. And so, you know, things things of that nature. So I'm happy to do things like that.
1: Okay. So uh one more time for the uh for the crowd, uh your email and your phone number again.
0: Yep. TJ Law at AOL dot com. Phone number five eight six seven nine five eighty eight twenty two. All
1: right. Well, I'd like to say thank you for coming on the show. Um I'm sure that I will get some feedback from that and uh from today's uh show and Hopefully, um, if there's any questions, I can maybe able to get you back into to answer some of those questions or dig a little bit deeper. Um, again, as I tell tell the people on the show, there's just there's so much involved in it, and I think we just. With the short time we've had, we just barely scratched the surface on this.
0: I agree, but it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: All right, thank you. And this is uh, Single Fathers Today. Again, I'm your host, Mark Hill. If you have any questions or comments uh, for the show or anything that you want to send to me, uh, or, you know, and I can relay it over to uh, Tom or anyone else, anything related to my other previous shows, uh, send me an email at singlefatherstoday at gmail.com. Or check out the Twitter feed at Single Fathers Today. So as I wrap this up, I'd like to wish you guys uh, good luck and keep fighting.